Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. This morning, we give you thanks that we find ourselves in a place that you have created, the gathering of your people, the gathering of those who have come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we come to this place, Lord, not because we want to participate in some religious philosophy, Lord, but we want to know you. We want to serve you. We want to honor you in our lives, Lord, and we want to say thank you and that your word, Father God, which is the totality of who you are, Lord, would be revealed to our lives. Father, we pray that you would bless your word and that it would be a good seed that would be planted in our lives. We thank you for past seeds that have been planted, that have grown fruit, that have been sweet and good to our lives, Lord. And so today we want to, we want to continue to sow your word into our lives as part of the process that you have designed for our salvation Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God that brings salvation to men. And that this manner in which you have chosen the preaching of your word as the method which you would bring salvation to all men, that it not grow old and stale, Lord, but that we might receive it into our hearts, into our lives, vibrantly, on the edge of our seats, waiting for your instruction as through your spirit, Lord, you lead us in your purposes. Open the eyes of our understanding and let us see things that were designed by your heart since the beginning. And that we could put these things together, Lord, and see your glory. We could see the manifestation of the things you've created, Lord. And we pray, Father God, that we would all become everything you have designed and created us to become. That in this world, Father God, we be the salt and the light of the earth. That your words would fill our lives and make it the paradise that it had become, Lord, according to your design. And let your seed flourish and grow fruitfulness and a harvest that would be seen by many for many years to come. Connect us with you, the true vine, that we might give forth the fruit that endures, Lord, and that remains. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We began contemplating Psalm 19. And Psalm 19 is when the psalmist gathers and he tries to focus upon God as the origin and the source of everything we will know as, as part of his creation here upon the earth. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, it's the heavens that declare the glory of God. A lot of people are looking for life's existence here upon the earth. They're looking for meaning and purpose by looking not up, but looking horizontally or even down. And this is what Bill Gothard says will bring the most depression to man. If you try to understand your existence by looking sideways and looking down at, at what is, if you're going to understand why you're here upon the planet for these uh, a term of no more than 100 years. I mean, some of you I know are aspiring to live 120, but, but 100 years. And the Bible even says in Psalm 90, verse 12, that the years of a man is 70, and the strongest of us will be 80 years of age. 
And so it says the heavens are those that declare the glory of God. It's the firmament that shows and proclaims His handiwork. I don't know if we can put it up there on YouTube, which shows uh, the magnification of the earth at, uh, it's almost like a hundred light years away. If you, if you see this video by Fran Francis Chan, um, he starts showing you how, how removed our universe is from the earth and how it goes into a galaxy and then there's many galaxies and we live in the smallest galaxy and the sun is the smallest star in the, in our, in the, the, the conglomerate of galaxies. You say, then, then why are we so stressed out? When you, when you see what we are, we are a speck of a speck of a speck. And yet in our little brain, we're trying to carry on so many things that, that it wasn't God's purpose for us to, to you know, move in directions He didn't create us for. He says day after day, Psalm 19, verse 2, each day is, is a huge explanation God is giving to us. Night after night reveals more knowledge. There is no speech nor spoken word. Where the voice is not heard. Yet the voice of the creation, the evidence that goes out through all the earth, saying to the ends of the earth or the world that God has made the heavens and, and the tent for the sun. God has designed everything that exists. And so, you know, the, many times the, the devil wants us to to have an open mind. And I, I say that's, that's a dangerous thing, an open mind. I remember one man telling me that in order for him to know anything, he had to try everything. If I'm going to live upon the earth, I need to try everything. I said, well, that's, that's a sad scenario. Some things are meant to be followed after in commandment, in teaching. That you don't have to go through a car accident to learn that you should stay on the right side of the road. Let me try driving on the left side to see. Let me, let me have that experience. And God did not create that for us to do. And many of us have gone in that direction. Job chapter 12 verse 7 says like this, Ask, ask now the animals and they will teach you. A lot of the things that we're going to learn come from looking at God's creation. Ask the birds of the air and they will tell you. And we were saying that some people, uh, have you ever talked with a chicken? And some people says, only at lunchtime. I said, I'm going to get you. You know, I'm going to have some chicken for lunch. And, and it, when it says, ask the birds of the air and they will tell you. God wants us to look into these things. He says, ask the fish of the sea and they will declare to you. I don't know if you ever asked a, a fish how he breathes underwater. It is according to God's design. And if you were to go try to breathe underwater, you wouldn't be around for long. So in God's design, everything was created according to purpose. And the only one that doesn't respect God's order and purpose is who? Say it with me loud. Man. Amen. We're the only ones that question, how come I can't breathe underwater? Let me try it. How come I have to listen to my parents? Let me try it. Listen, your life is headed for destruction out of your outside of God's design out of out of God's
creation. Let's watch this real quick because I just want to, you know, blow it up in perspective. Let's watch this video very quickly. And it's the video that shows how little we are in light of God's creation. What, what, what you're seeing right now. First of all, this is the earth. Okay? Just, just, you're taking off from the earth from Southern California. And we're going we're gonna to rise up for a little bit here. Okay? We're going to pull away from it. We're going to pull higher. Now, this is at about 10 kilometers. Like if you climb Mount Everest, this is what you'd see. You'd see the curvature of the earth from that distance. Now you're gonna, we're going to climb up even higher. This is at 100 kilometers. And you're a fourth of the way to the space station now. This is what you'd see. If you get to this level, you're considered an astronaut. Just if you ever get there. Okay, now we're going 100,000 kilometers. 100,000 kilometers from the Earth. You're a fourth of the way to the moon. That's what the Earth would look like. Now we're going to pull away to a million kilometers. At a million kilometers, there's the moon. Okay, there's the moon. You can barely see the Earth. You're at a million kilometers now. You're past the past the moon, and uh, now we're going to go to 100 million kilometers. 100 million kilometers, you're still not to the sun. The sun's 93 million miles away, but now we're going to go to 10 trillion kilometers. Ten, there's the sun. Okay. You just passed the sun, now you would see all of the planets at 10 trillion kilometers. And now, we're at 10 to the 15th power. That means 10 with 15 zeros. I don't know what that number is. 15 zeros, and the sun's just like a bright dot amidst other stars. And now we're going to 10 light years away. At 10 light years away, come on, let's go. Zoom, there you go. 10 light years away, now you just see the sun with like 11 other stars that are kind of its neighbors. You know, that, 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 that's our sun. And now we're going to go 1,000 light years away. At a thousand light years away, you, you wouldn't even see our sun anymore. These are just a bunch of stars close to it in this cluster inside the Milky Way. Now we're going to zoom out even further, and that's the Milky Way we live in. See that cluster of stars? Those are about a hundred thousand stars that are closest to our sun. You can't see our sun anymore at this point. Now this is our Milky Way galaxy, and forget about the Earth. Okay, there's our Milky Way galaxy that we live in, um, and we're just buried in there somewhere. And we're going to pull out even further, and you'll see that our galaxy is actually, it's, it's a big galaxy, and, uh, and all those other things you're seeing now are galaxies. And we're going to pull away 10 million light years now. His next scene is 10 million light years. Those are all galaxies you see amidst our Milky Way, several hundred galaxies. Now we're going to go 100 million light years away. This is the last one. We're going to zoom out to 100 million light years. Those are all clusters of galaxies. Galaxies and clusters of galaxies. You won't even see our Milky Way galaxy anymore amidst that. We don't have telescopes that go beyond that little sphere there. That's amazing. But that shows you that you need to chill out a little bit and quit being stressed out about all your big problems. They're not big at all. Give them to the Lord. He's big. Trust God. He's big. Follow God, and you're going to enjoy life. Well, as we see, it says to us in Job 12, verse 8, 
Or speak to the earth and it will teach you, to the fish of the sea and they will tell you. Speak to the earth and, and uh, to the birds. And I, I had seen this concept of uh, talking and trying to figure out what this little thing is that we all know to be an egg. And the egg is made of three components. The outside is the shell, then there's the yolk, and then there's the white of the egg. These three main parts, let me ask you a question. Which one of these three main parts would you do without and still be able to fulfill its purpose? Not one of them. In their essence, they're all needed. In fact, the outside shell produces a hard covering to protect that which is in the inside so that it can develop and fulfill God's purpose. And the people who have studied this even more closely have said that on the outer shell of an egg, there's 10,000, say with me, 10,000 pores. Why 10,000 pores? Well, so that the chicken that's going to develop inside gets oxygen. And the pores also serve so that um, the carbon dioxide can be released from the egg and, and the oxygen could get in. And at the very top of the egg, there's an there's a, a air pocket on the inside. And that air pocket has a membrane that, that holds back. If you ever did a hard-boiled egg and you cracked it open, there's a white membrane that's there. And then there's a little pocket inside the shell. And it has oxygen, say with me, for six days. So that the chick could have air to breathe while it's cracking the shell and getting out of, of the shell so that it could come into existence. And so these are, this is creation speaking to us. And if you're just about food, you don't care how the chicken got out. You just want it on the rotisserie uh, over at Tony's and, and you're going to have great lunch. But let me tell you something. God has purpose in what we're doing. God has created all things with clear purpose. And you know who has missed out on his purpose? We have. We have severely missed out on God's purpose for our existence. And like Tamara Lowe says, a lot of things given to us are just to distract us and to fill us with things that aren't really concerning of our existence. They, they really don't make a difference in that regards. But I want to tell you that all things created... Come and show us a reality of, of God. And God created all things in a formation so that we could understand. It was God in His essence. And say with me, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The essence of the Godhead is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three in one fulfilling the purpose they had in mind since day one. In John chapter 17, verse 3, it says like this. This is eternal life. This is hitting life at large. It doesn't get greater than this. That you might know the only true God. That you might come to Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. And you know how you get to know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Through the third person in the Trinity. Through the Holy Spirit that reveals God the Father and God the Son. And if you were to miss out on any one of these three, you would miss out on the entire purpose of God. It says in Job 25 verse 2 that since the beginning, God had created all things to abide in His divine order. The sovereign rule, the dominium and fear belong to Him. 
because he makes order in his high places. The word peace in the Hebrew there is that he establishes all things in his divine order and relationship. And when we, when we alter his order, we don't feel peace. We feel chaos. We feel anxiety. We feel depression. Anytime you feel that you're not connected into God's order, you're not going to walk away with a good feeling. Whenever you're rejected, that's not a good feeling. Whenever you're depressed, whenever you're anxious, when you worry about something, bring it into God's order. Find God's direction. Find out God's timing. This is one of the things I had to learn. I was always living life ahead of my time. I wanted to drive when I was eight. Full of anxiety. Eight is not the time to drive. I wanted to shave when I didn't have a mustache. And when you live life outside of time, you're just producing, say with it, unnecessary anxiety. And pain, suffering that God never intended. That's why God says make sure you do all things in its season, in its time, in its place. Everything is beautiful. And outside of God's timing, place, and order, everything becomes chaotic. And everything becomes confusing. And this is why people without God suffer the most. This is why people that don't come inquire of God's order are the ones that have no peace. The Bible says there is no peace for the wicked. They're, they want peace, but not consistent with the order of God. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says God is not the author of confusion. You know, it's funny to me. How many want to live contrary to God's design and feel peace? They blame all their discomfort on who? God, why did you allow this? And God is like, man, if you would just get in my order, if you would follow me, if you would, if you would go along and build like I built, if you would live like I want you to live, you would have levels of peace that surpass all understanding. You would have joy that's inexpressible. You would be living life at a high that was beyond reality. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. If you read with me, Romans 14, verse 17. It says, the kingdom of God is not in the natural realm. We're trying to find peace in the natural realm. And I want to tell you that it's not a new car, a new house, or money, or a good job that's going to bring you peace. Righteousness and peace and joy are in the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question, and I was asking this question to a young man yesterday. How are you doing in the levels of your love, faith, and hope? Where is that in your life? Are you pursuing it? Are you cultivating it? Is it growing? Are you grabbing greater measures of love, of faith, of hope? These are the things that nothing can stop you from obtaining and cultivating. The true riches of God are in the supernatural things. And from there, when you have faith, hope, and love, then you open up to a wealth of riches. And it's not depending on the amount of money you have in your bank account. The guys who have taken their lives the most 
have been the wealthiest upon the planet. Those who, having all material things, have no inner peace. The Shah of Iran has a son. One of the wealthiest men in the whole earth just took his life. Why? Because he has no purpose. He has no faith. He has hope, no hope. He has no love. So he checks out of this realm. And God wants us to come into perfect peace. And, and, and what we're trying to move in the direction of is this aspect of, say with me, community. Because God is perfect in his creation. When you grab either an egg or you grab uh, any of God, the planets, the universe, the galaxy, everything is in harmony according to his creation, except man. Man is the only one that in sin has rebelled against God's order at such a degree that it's incredible. But read with me Isaiah 32 verse 17. Isaiah 32, 17 says, when you work out righteousness, there will be peace. Don't want no anxiety when you're not living according to God's design. Do not want to have prosperity. The word peace comes from, it's a root word that, that you need to prosper. Shalom, the, the Jewish greeting. Are, do you have peace? If you don't have peace, you're just walking contrary to God's order. But when you get right, there will be peace. And the effect of righteousness is quietness forever, stillness, enjoyment. Verse 18 says, My people shall dwell in a habitation of peace, in safe dwellings, in a place of quiet rest. The Beach Boys had a song, there's a place where I can go and be at rest, it's in my room. And they all went crazy. They had no peace. They weren't living according to God's order back in the 60s. But you and I, understanding the essence, and, and that's where we come to the house of God, and God begins to reveal His plan. He begins to show us things we didn't know. He says in verse 19, He says, happy and fortunate are you who sow these seeds. He says, Though hail come from the forest, and the city is brought low in humiliation. In the next verse. Blessed are you who sow besides all waters. You're blessed when you cultivate the order of God into your life in every realm. Try to find out what the order is for a single person. Don't say, I want to rush through singleness to get married, and then I'll have peace. You're not going to have peace. Because you're out of order. It's not going into the next stage of life that is going to be the answer. It's connecting with the stage you're at in God's order in creation. And only wise people will do this. It says in Romans 14, 18, that those who serve Jesus Christ in these things, what things? In things that are in order. If you serve Christ in order, then you'll be acceptable to God and men will go, you know something, you're a smart guy. You have connected with what God wanted you to connect at the time God wanted you to connect. You didn't rush through this process. But if you want utter disgusting chaos, James 3.16 says, wherever a person rushes ahead seeking his own order, his own design, he's being very envious of what other people have. 
He's desiring things to exist according to his pleasure. There's no order there. There's confusion. There's every evil spirit. Every evil thing is there. And so I want to encourage you today that God has for us not only the plan, but he wants us to go out and establish his order in all things. That's the ministry we've been given. We were outside of Christ suffering all these things. Christ says, I am the way. Back to the Father. Back to putting things in the order that I designed them. And so it says in Psalm 133, verse 1, Look how good and how pleasurable it is to dwell in harmony, to be connected in time, purpose, and plan. You see, like the, in, in the modern times, the young people want to live back in the 60s. Hey, man, I want to be a rocker, man. Listen, you're like about 40 years behind your time. Why don't you live today's life? Live according to God's design. The 60s have gone and went. There's some Christians that want to live in the primitive church. The church has to go back to its primitive days like when it first started. Listen to me. That's like asking to go back to kindergarten. That's like going back to preschool and, I want to go finger painting. I want to have my nap at 12. Listen, the church is a lot more mature now. It's 2,000 years in creation. We can't go back to kindergarten. That's fantasy. We need to grow up to where we are. We can't keep on thinking of lighting up a joint and hanging out at Woodstock. That's not consistent with the design of your creation for today. God is bringing you to be on the cusp of the edge of what the church needs to fulfill right before the coming of Christ. We need to get connected like no one else has been connected in, in this time. He says when you get connected, it's like the precious oil that comes upon the head. Verse 2. There's special provision from God. Psalm 133 verse 2. The, God will dispense from the heavens those that are living according to God's time today. Some of you want to be futuristic. You love Star Trek. You love Star Wars. Listen to me. There will be a time where we'll just blink and be in another place. But right now, you need to use a car, my friend. You need to get your head out of the computer and the sci-fi world and get it into this world and live what God wants you to live now. Not be some Trekkie and some Star Wars disaster which has no utility in the present age. And you see how the devil is trying to get people confused in every direction and confusion. And there's people that go to these Trekkie conventions and they're dressing like, please live long and prosper. Listen, get a job. <laughs> Support your wife. Be real. God wants us to be real people. That's why we're the light of the earth. We're consistent with truth. We're living according to our time, according to God's design. He says, for there, at that place of unity, that place of community, that place of modeling what God has done since the beginning is where life is large. Verse 3. It's like a dew that descends from the mount a dew of Hermon that descends from the Mount of Zion. They're little, little rain molecules. This dew that falls from heaven falls upon the earth. And then in Mount Zion, it turns into a large river. And it comes to a vast provision of water at the, at the bottom. For there, God commands blessing and life eternal. 
I want to tell you that God has created all things for his glory. And you are part of that glory. You're part of God's design and creation in his purpose. I know we live in the age where people are using cars as flower pots. You drive through some neighborhoods in America and you'll see a car there and you'll see a whole bunch of flowers growing out of the car. And you're like, why did they do that? Because they're using a car outside of its purpose. They're using it for a flower bed. And that's not what's supposed to be happening. God created, if we start looking at the expanse of his creation, atoms, molecules, the cell system, circulation, the cycles of the tides, our biological systems, the solar systems, all things work in harmony, in vast diversity. Everything is different, but everything's working together for his glory, except man. Man is the only one that has allowed sin to come in his life. That's why the Bible says all of creation yearns to see men back in God's order. Because we were to take dominion over all creation. God set us above all created things. Just a little lower than the angels. But we are supposed to function as God created all things to function. But man has decided to sin. And the wages, say with me, the wages of sin is death. You know what that word death means? Separation. We're disconnected. And we feel lonely because we're disconnected. And there's no purpose and identity because we're disconnected. And we've become experts at disconnecting. When we go on vacation, what do we say? I just got to disconnect. So we disconnect our lives, our brains. We disconnect our words. They're not consistent with the way we feel. We disconnect our marriages. We're divorcing. We're separating ourselves from our children. We're separating ourselves from our church, our families. Man has even gone to the point of separating the atom. What happens when you split the atom? You create an atomic bomb. What does it create? Chaos, destruction. So God wanted man to be experts. First, he brings them back into his design. And we've been displaced from our purpose. That's why instead of being the head, we have become the tail. Instead of being a master over creation, creation now masters us. We are addicted to pills, pharmaceuticals, addicted to to grass, to cocaine, to marijuana, to rum, to alcohol. These things tell us what to do. They tell us when to do it. We have lost our our order in creation. And so God wants us to look at, at his trinity. He says that God had created all things. What did he say after he created everything upon the earth? God created it. He looked at it and said, it is good. Everything is connected. What do we say? What does man say? It's not good. We walk around, it's not good. My marriage is not good. My job is not good. My car is not good. My salary is not good. My house is not good. My friends are good. My church is not good. My pastor is no good. But God says something different. God created all things and he says it's good. It's there in chapter 2, verse 18, that God looks down and he says it's not good. The only thing that God says is not good is when man is alone. He looked down 
in Genesis 2 verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I'm going to connect him. I'm going to give him something to connect with. It's not good that man should walk away disconnected from God's creation. A lot of times we see the diversity in his creation and we say, I can't connect. My wife is so different from me. I can't connect. My father is so different from me. I can't connect. My son is so different from me. Well, guess what? The father, the son, and the Holy Spirit are totally different. But they all connect. And in their connection, they begin to establish all things connected for the glory of God. And if we're ever to see the glory of God, we're going to have to have this diversity of His creation. But we're going to have to say, say with me, experts in unity. As we're diverse in color, kind, and thoughts, and wonder, we're supposed to connect for His glory. We're all different. There's some of us rich, some of us poor, some of us smart, some of us less smart. But we're all connected for His glory. We're not to look at the differences and say, devil, it's true. This guy's a total idiot. I'm not connecting with him. No. You are His wisdom if you connect as God would have you connect. And I always thank God that Jesus connected with us. And He didn't have the attitude, hey, look at this guy. He's a... He's not going nowhere. Let me disconnect. He taught us in John chapter 10 verse 30. He said, me and the Father are one. The message of the gospel is to return to the unity God intended from the beginning. I don't know if you can say that. I and the Father are one. I want to have God's thoughts. I want to live like God wants me to live. I want to achieve what God wants me to achieve. And what does he say in John 15, verse 5? Without me, you can do nothing. I'm the main branch. I'm the vine. You are the branches. He who is connected to me, and I'm connected to him, will bear much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. You know, we're trying to prove God wrong. We're trying to say, I can do something without you. I, I don't have, need to bring you into my business world. I don't need to bring you into my client base. And I'm going to prosper. I don't know. I don't know. Your word against his. His word being eternal. You being temporary. See, the, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are teaching us that, that it's in community. It's in joining. I, I, I want to tell you what I've been thinking since the Lord's been speaking this word to me. That everyone I've ever met, listen to me, everyone I've ever met tied in to God's purpose for His glory. Everyone you ever met had a purpose in God for unity, not disconnect, but unity for His glory. In other words, it's in the unity of diversity when you bring all things together that they have a purpose that God designed. I was saying here on Wednesday, what if you have three components? You have a seed, a tree, and a fruit. They're three things totally different. Which one would you exclude? Would you like a seed and a tree without a fruit? What's its purpose? Would you like a tree and a fruit without the seed? How would you ever get another tree? 
But in its, in its connection, there is long-term purpose. So I ask you, why did we think we could disconnect and still flourish in the purpose of God? He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a connected generation. So that our children would have a thousand years of blessing, yet we, are only, we only have God for, for this part of our life. We're not thinking about passing down the generational blessing. My son, tough luck. I have to go live my own life and bring a disunity with identity and purpose. That's not God. That's, that's the work of the enemy, to bring a disconnect in all things. In John 20, verse 21, he says like this, Jesus said to them, peace. You want peace? Yeah, I want peace. Well, just as the Father sent me, so I send you. I want peace, but I don't want to take the form of the Godhead in unity. I am by nature, and this is what man has decided he would be. Ready? A rebel. I am by nature a rebel. I'm not going to connect with no one. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to identify with no one. I'm not going to connect and see myself knitted in the body and the work of God's creation. And God has created all things to connect so that he might produce the fruit and to disconnect is to be uh, uh, barren and sterile, to not be fruitful, to not glorify God. And so God, in his wisdom, created something, and you could say with me, family. God created family. That's our connected source. God created the church. That's our connected source. Just like an atom, an electron, and a neutron come together to create all matter, so God has created family so that we might produce the essence of everything he has in purpose. But man has fallen in the relationship with God. So the first disconnect that man has is with who? With God. We disconnect with God. And in disconnecting with God, we're not producing the connection with all other things that make us fruitful. That's why it's so important that you would connect with the church. If you weren't here this morning, you would continue disconnected. You would continue out of God's design. You would continue in disorder and in confusion. Man has disconnected with God, therefore he's disconnected with man. As soon as man disobeyed God, Adam and Eve began to accuse one another, causing further separation. And then, man disconnected from creation. We bring our disruption in all things. Not only towards God, towards one another, and towards the things God wants to create. But in our connection, what would be the glory? Could I ask that question? What would be the glory if, if each one of us connected, giving and receiving what God has put there? This is what his prayer was in John chapter 17 as he prayed in verse 21 that they may be one, Lord. Connect them. That they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us so the whole world might see. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be like a totally incredible? That there would be no continual disruption of our unity 
That there would be no rejection, words, offense, stumbling. That's why God created forgiveness and confession and reconciliation. He's given us all the tools to make sure that we are not the only ones that get connected initially, but that we stay connected. And I go home every week thinking of how many people God had connected us with to live for His glory and how astutely the devil has been to bring a disconnect, to bring a separation, to bring a division. And that's why the Bible says over there in Romans, it says, mark out those who cause division. Take notice of those that are constantly splitting that which is beneficial. I've been receiving a lot of phone calls this week since we started to save the marriage campaign. And the first thing I tell a husband and wife, aren't you to understand you're on the same team? As soon as I tell them that, they're like, oh, oh. it's like being on a basketball court and you're not passing the ball to your teammate. You're taking the ball away from your teammate. You're scoring against your teammate. It's not to be. It's unnatural. But that we're experts at that. In fact, we've come up with the word contradict, which means speak against. When the Bible says when two or more agree with anything, there's where God moves. When there's a connection, that's when we see miracles. And in order for there to be that unity in diversity, there needs to be the order established of God. Let's continue to read John 17, verse 21. That they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also might be one in us, so that the world might believe that you sent me. That the work of Jesus has been done because those who come to know get connected. Verse 22. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they might be one just as we are one. He's up in eternity. Listen to me. I want to tell you that there is no not even a disparity of a millisecond of disunity between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're totally different, but they work so together. They work so purposeful. And Jesus brought that game plan down to the earth to give it to man. Hey, guys, if, you, if two or more are gathered in my name, ask whatever you want, and it's coming to pass. Join together in unity. Don't allow disunity to come because you disrupt. After Wednesday night's message, I went home and I woke up on Thursday morning and the Lord says that's why family and the church is a safe haven against the kingdom of darkness. That's why the family is so instrumental. So I went home and I told my sons, I said, see, you're the firstborn, Nick, and you're just as needed as anyone that comes after the secondborn, Joshua. He's no less than you are, but you in diversity need to be joined in one. You're just as important. And then Brandon is the youngest, so both of you guys have to, have to honor the young guy because he's different. And if you join with him, there's going to be greater power. And then there's Christina, who's a girl and the youngest. And if all four of you join, you're an unstoppable force for the glory of God. And that's how God sees the church. We don't see it like that. We, we, we walk in that selfishness and, and looking for, well, like we said in Proverbs 18, the one who isolates himself is because he's seeking his own. The one who disconnects is because he's not interested in God being glorified. But he says that they might be connected so that which I gave you, they might have. In verse 23, uh, John 17, 23, I in them and you in me, that they might be made perfect, say in one. In one. In one. 
so the world may know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. God is on task with this, this whole purpose. We're the ones that pretty much are disconnected. Let's go there to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. Say with me, now all things are of God. What's that mean? That's where everything needs to start. Everything needs to start in that pattern. We've never seen that. We've been so disconnected. And let me tell you what happens with a disconnected person. He feels more comfortable disconnected than he ever does connected. He actually can feel he has need of no one. I don't need anybody. I can function on my own. Everything's going to be okay. Guess what? That's not God's design. All things are of God. And what did God do? He reconciled us to himself. The word reconciled means he brought us back into unity. That's, that's, what, that's where our life took off. When we got reconnected, how many say amen? amen. When we got connected, back, but is it over? No. That's just the beginning. We got connected to God. How did he do that? Through Jesus Christ. Well, how did Jesus do that? Through humility. Through service. It doesn't matter how greater you are than the next person, how much more you know, how much more sophisticated you are, if you humble yourself, you can serve them. If you're using your sophistication, your knowledge, your experience, your status to lift yourself up, there's a separation. But if you come like Jesus Christ, like we do when usually we're in foreign countries, here's, here's the situation. We can go into Nicaragua and serve the poor. We could go into Mexico and serve the underprivileged. You know who we can't serve? Tell your neighbor, one another. We can't. There's some serious issues. There's serious issues in our lives. I was thinking on Friday night as I came here, and we have an awesome youth group. We have awesome youth group pastors, but there's no one serving them. I'm thinking, if this was Nicaragua, we would all be serving. We would all be connected. We would all be giving of ourselves, of our time. But it seems to be there's a disconnect. And so we're not seeing the glory of God, and our children are pretty much not seeing Christ in the church. But let's keep on reading. Look what it says in verse 19. He's going to say it in another way. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Him. God went into Christ to manifest a connecting the world back to Him so Christ in us is doing what? Connecting with the world. God was in Christ connecting the world to Himself. How did He do that? He did not impute their trespasses to them. I was talking to a young man yesterday. I said, you got to connect with your sister. I can't. Why not? Because look at all these things she has is, is not right. That's not the basis of your connection. The basis of your connection is Christ. That inside of you, someone is not considering the other one not worthy to connect. And that's why we don't connect because we don't consider that person worthy to connect. But when Christ is in you, you are connecting because of the love of God. 
And because you know God's design is to connect, so there will be fruitfulness. God in Christ reconciling the world, not imputing their, their faults and trespasses. He committed to us, say, the word of reconciliation. What's the word of reconciliation? The word of reconciliation is explaining to someone how they need to connect with you. How they need to connect with God. How they need to connect with the church. How they can, a brother could connect with his sister. This is what the devil does is get them to argue, to fight, to disconnect. Why? Because then God can't be glorified. People can't see God in that. And there's always going to be a disconnect for one reason or the other. But that doesn't glorify God. It goes against the purpose of God. Two is better than one, the Bible says. One shall chase a thousand. Two shall chase ten thousand. A businessman wants to proper, prosper without his clients. A client wants to get ahead without the owner of the business. An employee wants to get ahead without connecting to the boss. A church wants to change the world without connecting. Without their coming of an understanding of God's game plan. The roadmap is this. He's committed to us the word of reconciliation. How did he do that? Show me an example. Verse 10. I mean, verse, um, yeah, let's go back to verse 10. Is it verse 1? For it says this, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. What verse is it? I got I to gotta get that verse. I'll get you that verse. It says, let's pay attention to this real quick as they, they try and seek it there on the, on the search. I got a typo here. It says, we were enemies. When we weren't walking with God, he brought us back to himself. How did he do that? Through the death of his son. You need to die. You need to die for there to be a connect. Because if you say, I deserve this or I want this to happen. No. Die to that, to that desire. Die to that right that that person might honor you. Die to that. Because when you die, you will be reconciled. And we shall see that this life is what brings salvation. In verse 11 it says, And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. I want to encourage you this morning to find out where the devil has created a disconnect. Find out where there's disunity. Find out, you know, somebody wrote me an email the other day and says, so-and-so and so-and-so uh, are really not promoting my unity to the church. I said, listen to me. Wherever you see someone promoting disunity, that's the devil. Because he doesn't want to see the glory of God. And usually it's in the area of offense. It's usually in an area where I can tell you that, that uh, it has happened. That's what it is. It's Romans 5.10. Let's read that real quick. The verse was Romans 5.10. For if when we were enemies, when we weren't even on God's same page, you say, I can't get on the same page because the guy is my total enemy. Guess what? Therein lies a secret behind your provision from God. Don't let the devil generate enemies in your life. You bring the peace. 
You bring forgiveness. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, it took Him dying to whatever He was going to be entitled to. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved through His life. It was this week that one of, the, one of the brothers here, George, calls me and says, I had a problem with the business and I'm going over there to break off the relationship. I said, no, don't break off the relationship. That's what the devil wants. He wants to steal your blessing. Go over there and forgive that man. Restore, reconcile, bring back the connection because there's going to be a blessing that flows from that. Don't let that happen. You know something? Jesus says it would happen in this world. There's going to be a disconnect, but make sure it's not you. Make sure you're not promoting the disconnect. Make sure you're not lifting up a fence, lifting up a separation, because there's where your blessing's going to be. There's where your encouragement is going to be. There's where God's provision is going to happen. But we're all too good, real quick. Um, they used to call some of my friends short wick, mecha corta, right? You light that sucker and poof, in two seconds, that's it, they're separated. If the bomb went off, there's a disconnect, there's chaos, there's an explosion. How many are like that? You got to ask for God's spirit to come in you. Love, faith, patience, hope, forgiveness, self-control. All these things that help us for a unity in our, in our existence. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the promoting of, of this connection where God wants to fulfill through us in this world a, a, a joining at levels that's tremendous. There's three areas we need to connect in our thoughts. We got to think the same. We got to speak the same. We got to move the same. We have to have the same spirit. If you do a study on the oneness of creation and the oneness of God, the, the unity of the spirit, that's what we have. Any other spirit is not a spirit of God. He says a double-minded man will receive nothing. He's unstable in all his ways. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Anything that produces a disconnect is from the evil one. Let's stand this, this morning and ask God, Lord, just like the egg has three parts, just like a tree is a seed, a uh, the tree and the fruit. Just as we see the, the, the mixture of diversity coming together in oneness to produce something for your glory, let that be me. Let that be my wife. You know, so a, lot of, a lot of husbands come, a lot of wives come, and they, they, they come with the argument, me and my wife are so different, we need to get apart. Listen to me. God created that mixture. Opposites attract. You're not supposed to make your wife like you, and she's not supposed to make you like her. In that diversity, find unity. And then God is glorified. There's the father, there's the wife, the mom, and there's the children. There, there's that diversity. And, and, you know, emphasize, highlight the diversity. You're different. That's why I like you. You're different. That's why I need you. Say that. You're different. That's why I need you. If you were the same, I wouldn't need you. There's sons that say, my dad is so different than me. Listen, thank God that your dad is different from you. Your hope of glory is being connected to that relationship. A lot of you are coming to church 
A lot of you are coming to the services. I beg you in the name of the Lord to be connected to the vision. Be connected and united in the purpose of God. God wants to make us a fruitful place. It's not going to happen with disconnect. You know what people usually justify disconnecting reason? Well, because if I connect, there's too many problems. I'd rather stay distant a little bit because I don't want nobody to step on my toes. I don't want nobody to offend me and say something that I might not like. You see some people, once they get something contrary to them, somebody doesn't agree with them, they start turning red, and you're like, what happened? That person's about to tell you off. That person's about to explode because they don't understand this concept. The Lord's prayer is, Lord, make them one like you and I are one. The Godhead, the Father, the Spirit, all working in relationship to one another. In the order, the authority, the submission to God. In your homes, in the church, in this world. Let's ask God to lead us into the unity of His Spirit. And the fulfillment of His design. As we sing this song, you guys pray with me. Hallelujah, Jesus.